0: Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. I'm Will and I'm the pastor and it's a joy to be with you all today. If you're joining us on our live stream this morning, I want to say a special word of welcome. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are. Well, right now I want to say a word of prayer as we we continue to worship God. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for drawing the hearts of people to you. Lord, this morning I'm reminded that, that as we worship you, whether we're in person here or whether people are joining online, that there is only one audience of this worship and you are the audience. You are the one who we sing to, that we pray to, that we lift our hearts to. And God, I pray that you, your spirit is blessed. And I pray also, God, that, that you open your hearts, the hearts of those that are here, That as we consider our doubts and especially the ways that we doubt ourselves, that that you that you inspire in us the confidence of your spirit. We give this all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, most people, most every person has doubted God at some point in their life, and, and some of these some of these periods of doubt and, and such, they are really long. They can be long periods of doubt and concern about the presence of God. But, but even though most people do doubt God, I mean, I think doubting God is, is a shared human experience. I think something that is even more shared is, is doubting yourself. Like, doubting yourself, I think, is so much more common than just doubting God. I find that on occasion, I am the one doubting God. God, can can you really do that? God, uh, are you able to do that? God, um, are you even there, God? God, are you listening? But more often than, than doubting God, I, I find that I am the one doubting doubting myself. Am I able to do that? Am I good enough for that? Are, are people going to discover my, my weaknesses? I have this voice in my head. I, I'm so glad you can't hear it, right? Um, and, and this voice of my head that tells me the worst things about myself. And, and, and since this is my voice, Um, it's really good at it. It's really good at at pointing out my, my insecurities and all of my weak points. I mean, it knows me better than I know myself. It's this internal critic that just loves to lay it on thick, especially on the hardest day. And this inner, inner critic places doubt in my mind. I mean, you've been given all this responsibility. It's probably not going to work out. I mean, there's so many kids, depending on you, you're, you're probably, you're, you're really not a great dad after all, uh, but, but um, you're, you're not as, as good as you should be, you're not good enough to feel happy, you're, 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 you can't really rest either because there's so much to do, you need to stay, stay busy. And I'm thankful that I have learned strategies at this point in my life to, to keep this voice at bay. But there have been times in my life where I let, because I I didn't know any better, there have been times in my life because I didn't know any better that I really just let this internal critic rule the day and, 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 and set my internal dialogue and ruin my moods. Do you have a voice like this or am I the only crazy one, right? Um, I mean, just just me. Uh, it, it, do you do you have an, an internal voice that that's constantly judging you or or threatening to judge you? You know, I'm not thin enough. For, for, uh, for anyone to think well of me. I'm not attractive enough for, for anyone to love me. I'm not smart enough to, to make an impact in a meaningful way. You know, I've never made an, enough money for anyone to take me seriously. I'm only one person, and I don't have really any influence. I can't make a difference does this sound familiar? Another part of this internal internal critic, this internal voice that happens in a lot of people is an experience known as imposter syndrome. This idea that that you are imposter, a feeling that you are a fraud and the other shoe is about to drop and at some point your friends or your colleagues or your family or, or, or whoever is around you is going to discover the true fraud that you are, that, that you don't deserve your accomplishments, that, that you don't deserve their admiration, that you might not even deserve your job. It's the idea that you only have what you have out of luck, not Not out of anything regarding your talent or your qualifications. It's just out of luck if you have any success whatsoever. And you fear that at some moment, at any moment, the shoe is going to drop and people are going to figure out the fraud that you are. People are going to discover your true self. Now, if you experience doubt in your life, I want you to know that you are not alone. It's estimated that about 70% or at least 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their life. So this is a common human experience. But not only is this a common human experience, it's also a common experience that we find written about in the Bible. In fact, we often find that God uses the very people, the very people, themselves to do great things. God often uses the people who have the most insecurity or the most self-doubt about themselves to be the ones who are called to do great things and big things to change the course of human history. And today I want to introduce you to someone who had some serious, some serious self-doubts and someone who had who God had great plans for, anyways. And if you have a Bible, you want to follow along or you want to follow along on your phone, I'm going to be looking at the beginning of the book of Exodus Um, And so Exodus is the second book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament and it tells the story of of God's salvific act towards God's people. It tells the story of the, the Hebrew people, the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt, but then God sent someone to bring them out of this slavery and to send them to a better place. And in the story, you will find that God chose Moses to be the one who would lead the Israelites out of captivity into a better life. But when Moses started out, he was full of doubt. He wasn't full of doubt about God. He was full of doubt about himself. You see, Moses was born at a time when the Pharaoh when the Pharaoh of Egypt had decreed that, that, that if, a, if a, a male child was born to a Hebrew family, that male child was to be put to death. And so what happened is that Moses' mom hid him for a while after being born. And then when they couldn't hide him any longer, they made this little basket and and floated him down the river in the hopes that someone would pick him up, in the hopes that God would save Moses' life. And in fact, Moses was saved and was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses then was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, when he was an adult, Moses realized that he was a bit different, and he might be raised in Pharaoh's household, but that he was part of these Hebrew people. And he was out, and he saw the way that the Egyptians were treating his, his, his comrades, that the Egyptians were treating his people, and this and angered him. He saw how the Egyptians treated the Hebrews. In fact, one time, Moses saw this Egyptian beating a a Hebrew who was working, and and so what Moses did is he had a p- position of privilege, kind of, kind of, and so Moses waited for the opportune time and made sure you know nobody was looking over his like behind his back, and um, he killed the Egyptian who, who hurt this guy, and then he hid his body. So it's like um, you trying to conceal this murder, but here's the deal: Moses wasn't too good at covering up his crime. He wasn't too good at hiding the body because uh, somebody found out. Others found out, including Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh was like, well, if this kid raised in my household is going to be killing Egyptians, I got to get rid of him. And so Pharaoh puts out a hit on on Moses. Uh, But so Moses hears about this and Moses escapes and runs away to the land of Midian. And while Moses is away, he starts a new life for himself. He gets married. He has children, and he begins to settle down in a new land, in a new land with a family, and becomes a shepherd by vocation. And if you're reading about this in, in Exodus chapter 2, you will learn that, that the Hebrew people at this time, they are groaning under their slavery. The Bible is very clear about how, they, how they're just in, in so much pain but God hears their voices. God hears the cries of their pain. And here's what we find down in Exodus chapter 3 of how God is going to respond. And so Exodus chapter 3, verse verse 7. One day, while Moses was doing his shepherding thing, he encounters God. And this is what God says to him. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. And I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters, and I know their pain. So Moses is is just out minding his own business, and God shows up to him. And, And if you've heard the story, you likely know that God showed up to Moses in a burning bush. And so Moses sees this bush... Uh, that is burning, but it's not burning up. And then the voice of God starts coming out about it. And, and God says, you know, I, I've heard about the pain of, my, of my, my people. I've heard about my pain. And I've come down, in verse 8, I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and a broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jezebites all live. Now, the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me, and I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. And Moses is like, all right, I understand. I, I mean, I, I did my part, God. I, I killed this guy. I was trying to help, but I did a really bad job about it. And, and people found out, and so I can't do anything. But then God turns the tables on Moses and said, so get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God tells Moses, I'm sending you to go back to Egypt to save the Israelites, to bring them out of slavery, out of Egypt. And and what is Moses' response? What did Moses say? Does he say, all right, let's go, I'm ready? No, he doesn't say that. Instead, we read in verse 11 that he says, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then God reassures... I mean, Moses knows how, how, how bad of a murderer he is. Moses knows how, 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 how he's been on the run for his life. Moses knows that, that he, he's not the right man for the job. So how, how am I supposed to do this, he says. But God says and reassures Moses that God will be with him. But at this time, Moses isn't like, okay, I'm ready to go. Instead, Moses' internal critic is in full swing by this point, and he starts coming up with all the objections to why he's the wrong guy. First, he says, well, if I do this, what are people going to say if I go to the Israelites and tell them that God wants me me of all people to save them are they going to ask me what your name is they're going to ask me who is it that's sending you you crazy person what's your name and so he says to god god what's your name and this is where god reveals god's name in a phrase that has caused many people including myself sometimes to scratch your head out of a little confusion but god listens and and god responds to moses and is like all right you can tell them you can tell them what, what my name is. And God said to Moses in verse 15, I am who I am. I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And at this point, Moses is like, okay, good point. You know, good point. Um, yeah, they'll probably recognize you. You've got an answer for that one too. But, but surely, surely, I'm not the right one for the job. Surely it's not me. I'm a runaway I'm a murderer. And, and, and my past isn't good enough for you to use me. I, I'm just a shepherd. My job isn't prestigious enough for, for you to use me. And in chapter 4, we get an insight into uh, Moses' deep internal critic. Let's take a look in, in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses replied, But what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? Have you ever felt that way? What, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? They might say, well, the Lord didn't appear to you. I will not believe you. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever had this kind of self-doubt? No one's going to listen to me if I speak up. No one. Nobody is going to listen to me if I offer my uh, opinion. And it doesn't stop here. Down in verse 10, um, we read, But Moses said to the Lord, my my Lord, I've never been able to speak well. Not yesterday, and not the day before, and certainly not since you've been talking to me. I have a slow mouth and a thick tongue. Uh, you want me to do what? But I'm not really good at explaining things, and, and you want me to make a presentation? But I'm terrified of public speaking. I can't even make a phone call and sound coherent. I I never know what to say on the phone. In fact I've got this thing when when, when I try to talk my my mouth just stops working and I my, my I, I can't get the words out. My mouth gets all dry and my, my tongue it just sticks through the roof of my mouth and god I don't know what to say. I can't do it and I I I, I freeze i want to tell you that to every one of these objections god says you're okay you're okay i'll be with you i'll be with you and god says in verse 11 the lord said to him um who do you think gives people the ability to speak God's like, if I'm telling you to do something, I'm going to give you the ability to speak. Who's responsible for making them unable to speak or hard of hearing or sighted or blind? Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go, go. I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what you should say. Go do this thing that I'm calling you to do and I'm going to take care of it for you. Clearly, God is not interested in Moses' internal critic. So Moses, he is tired of this and he's like, Lord, just please send someone else. Please, please, God, just send someone else. God showed up to Moses in a dang burning bush, and, and Moses is arguing with God, okay? Like, Moses is arguing with God. God showed up in a burning bush. God, Moses is aware that God is speaking to him, and Moses is just arguing with him. And can you imagine the scene? God appears to Moses in a miraculous way, and Moses is like, okay, I can see what you can do. Um, he's not worried that he's going to be the next one on fire, but whatever. Um, I can see what you can do, but just so you know, I'm not the right guy i don't think i'm the right guy i don't think that i have what it takes you are wrong god why don't you try this with someone else why don't you try this with someone else someone who's a little prettier a little more successful someone who 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 at least doesn't have a fear of public speaking but god chooses moses anyways God chooses Moses anyways, and, and God relents a little bit after this and, and, and tells Moses, hey, you, you know, you're going to meet your brother Aaron, and, and, and Aaron is going to help you speak. Um, Aaron's going to help you speak, and we read in, in verse 12, of, uh, verse 12 that, 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 that I'll help you speak, and I'll help you know what to say, but, but your brother Aaron is going to help you along the process as well. But in the midst of it, I'll be right there with you. I'll be right there with you. Moses didn't think he was smart enough. Moses didn't think he was presentable enough. Moses didn't think he could talk well enough. Moses didn't think he was good enough, but God thought Moses was enough. God thought Moses was enough. God chose Moses And God appointed Moses to a a big task because God thought Moses was enough. God used Moses to bring freedom to the enslaved Israelites. God thought Moses was enough. God thinks you are enough. God thinks you are enough. Regardless of your self-doubts, Regardless of your inner critic, regardless of your judge, God thinks you, you are enough. What are your doubts about yourself? Do they relate to who you are? Do they relate to what you know? You know, you know maybe you struggle, struggle like Moses. If God wants somebody to do something, surely God can choose someone better than me. If God wants something done, surely God can choose someone better than me. Maybe you're like, I don't know the Bible well enough. Maybe you have heard me and others saying that, that God, wants, God wants you to teach the, 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 the faith to the next generation. Maybe you've heard me or someone else saying God wants you to be the one to teach the next generation about faith, to mentor and to work with the children and youth in our community and in our church. And maybe you doubt like Moses, surely I'm too old. Surely those kids won't listen to me. I'm too old. Surely they won't listen to me or be interested in what I have to offer. It couldn't be me. And maybe you think... I don't even feel comfortable praying out loud. How could God use me? What could I offer to God? Or, or how could I have, have influence on someone in the faith? I, I have a trouble just reading my Bible regularly and praying regularly. I like to sing with the car radio, but I, I could never get up here and sing, sing with the band. I could never get up here and play an instrument. Surely God couldn't use me And maybe you see the needs around you and you just offer the same plea as as, as Moses. Lord, please just send someone else. (laughs) I see the need. Someone else needs to take care of that. God send someone else. But you know what? God's not sending someone else. God's not sending someone else. So whether you think you're too old or, or whether you think you're too young or not smart enough or not thin enough or not rich enough or, or not experienced enough or not good enough or too much of a fraud, God says you are enough. You are enough for what God might be calling you to do. You are enough for what God has put on your heart to do. Even when you say send someone else, God thinks you are enough another person who was in tune with this was the Apostle Paul, and and Paul was a leader in the early Christian church, and and one time he's writing a letter to some Christians who were living in Rome, and and he was writing to assure them of their place in the heart of God. You see, these people face their own self-doubts. They they face their own concerns. They were kind of an outpost church because Jesus lived in in the land around Jerusalem and the Palestine, and so so this is a church in a different land, a different place, and um, the place of empire that's opposed to Christianity. And so, so Paul is writing to them and encouraging them that, that, that regardless of how far away you are from the land of, of Jesus and regardless of all the sin that you see around you and, and, and the, the culture in which you live, God has still called you. God still thought that they were enough. And so Paul writes to them to assure them of their place before God. And he says in Romans 8 38 and 39, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. That nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not, not powers or height or depth or anything else that was created. And, and, and I might add or say it a, a, a bit differently. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Not life or death, not angels or rulers, not present things or, or, or future things. Not self-doubts or insecurities. Not imposter syndrome or feelings of inadequacies or any other fear and doubt that entraps you. God thinks that you are enough. Do you hear that? God thinks that you are enough. In the midst of insecurities, in the midst of self-doubt, in the midst of feelings of inadequacies or imposter syndrome, God thinks that you are enough. You are enough. And here's another reality. This isn't just for you. It's not just about you. It's for churches too. It's for our church too. I know of so many churches that, that struggle with, with feelings of uncertainty or inadequacy. I mean, last week, if you were with us, we talked about, about how, people, how many people have left the faith or, or really are, are leaving or have left the church. Three out of every five young adults who grew up in the church report that that at some point they have stopped going and many have not returned at all. And since the pandemic, it's not just young folks. I mean, almost a quarter, 22%, almost one quarter of all Christian baby boomers have dropped out of church altogether since the pandemic in the past three years. And I know that you have felt this. I know it. And maybe in addition to to these self-doubts that you harbor, you you, you carry around church doubts as well, our church isn't big enough anymore to make a difference. You know, we're too old to teach the next generation the faith. I want to keep the church open just long enough so that I can have my funeral there. I've heard that. Our church isn't in the right location to make a difference. Our church doesn't have the right staff to do that. Our church isn't cool enough to do that. I mean, I've heard the preacher talk about, about reaching new people, but, but I, don't know what, what, I don't know that I believe it. I don't know that I believe it. We did this before, but I'm not sure we can do it again. We, we, we don't have this. This isn't what it used to be. Things have changed so much, and, and I don't just, and I we can't, and I don't think so, and not today, and now is not, and it's just not going to work. To this, God says what he said to Moses. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. To this, God says what he said to Moses. Think you're too old, that you can't do it? You think you, you don't have the right words to say? Who gives people the ability to speak? Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go. Now go. I'll help you speak, and I'll teach you what you should say. In the midst of feelings of doubt, you are enough. In the midst of feelings of imposter syndrome, you are enough. In the midst of doubts that your best days are behind you, you are enough. And God says, I'm not done with you. Sorry, I'm not done with you. You may have doubts about yourself or or, or doubts about your church, but you are enough for what I am calling you to do. I'm not done with you. I have a plan for you. You are enough for what I am calling you to do next. God says you are enough. God says you are enough. So I want to pray right now. and I want to ask God to say this to you. Whatever insecurities or struggles you have going on in your life, and maybe it relates to your church and your feelings of your church, and I want you to know that God, God speaks these words like He spoke them to Moses. I'll be with you. I think you can do it. Now go and do it. God, oftentimes people doubt you, but more oftentimes people doubt themselves. We live in a culture where where we have a self-help industry that tries to speak to this and, 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 and they must not be doing a great job because we keep buying their books and, and keep looking for that next thing. But God, you say, in the midst of all the uncertainties and anxieties and self-doubts, you speak a words of hope and say, I'm with you. You are enough. You are enough for what I'm calling you to do next. And so, God, open the hearts of each one who is struggling this day, maybe struggling in their own life or struggling as it relates to their church or some other point in their life, and and teach them the words that that Moses heard from God at that burning bush. Teach them the words that, that you spoke to Moses many, many years ago. I am with you. You are enough. Now go. You don't know how to speak? I'll help you speak. You don't know how to how to do what I want you to do. I'll, I'll teach you what to do. But I believe you're enough. You're enough. Amen. When God showed up to Moses, God broke through in a powerful way to bring miracles, not in Moses' life only, but in the lives of those suffering for generations under bondage and oppression. And here at Kern Church, we believe in the power of, of God's resurrection spirit to bring miracles in our lives and in our church. And, 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 and God says, you are enough to see these miracles. So right now, I want to pray our breakthrough prayer. And if you don't know about this breakthrough prayer, I encourage you to, to look at our website and, and to read about it. We read about the ways that, that we connect together to breathe, believe that God can can break through in powerful ways. I want to pray it right now with you in our midst and just ask God to move. To move as God moved with Moses. To do the big things that God desires to happen. And to to speak to you and say, yeah, you are enough. You are enough for God to use you. God, send the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes and dreams and possibilities in our church and in my life and in the life of each one that is here. Give us the courage, the boldness to follow Jesus into your new and unknown future. May your spirit come and your will be done. Amen. Children of the Heavenly Father who says you are enough, go with that peace this day and evermore. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.